Thanks much for joining Making Healthcare Work for You, Different Perspectives and Empowering Solutions. I'm Stephanie Fields, joined by my co-host, Dr. Apoorv Gupta, and today we are welcomed by Mike McDonald, who is a senior workplace consultant at Gallup, and said he specifically loves the scholar-practitioner <laughs> re- role. And you were talking about why that's so important, and it's because while the data matters and is important, it's how you apply that. So why don't you start with that? Because I think that really drives all of the work that you're doing. Yeah, well, I think it's so aligned with who we would say we are at Gallup, where it's it's great to have content, great to have information and data, but to some point, it's a, a big so what? Like, that's great, but is that just a recreational pursuit? Is it just mind candy? Or are you actually doing anything different with it as a result? How is it improving anything as an outcome? So we hold ourselves accountable, um, and I hold myself accountable, quite frankly, as a card-carrying member of Gallup where we shouldn't just measure it and stop or measure it and talk about it and stop. We should probably do something with it if that's really the the purpose it should serve. And I think, Stephanie, what that does is it really helps us sort too that not every number actually matters really, you know, and I think it could be easy and tempting for us to think that it is. But um, I'll even take, I'll be opportunistic, Stephanie, we would even say that's the accountability of strengths, which we know we're going to talk about. It's fine for us to be more self-aware, but to a certain degree, so what? Uh, a strength by our definition is only a strength if it's actually improving something for someone else, predicting success or a meaningful outcome. Otherwise, it's just reflection or daily affirmations that go nowhere. So, yeah. Wow, what an amazingly powerful intro, Mike. So so let's lead right into that. And, and yeah. why strengths? What is strengths? And why should we be thinking about leveraging that as a particularly uh, helpful framework here? Yeah, we, so um, strengths is a, it's a paradigm shift. You know, it's interesting if you go back to the timeline, literally of human beings, for some reason, and I think there is something about our, I won't get too evolutionary, but something about our preservation instincts, survival instincts that cause us to be incredibly wired for flaws, failures, weakness, exposure, etc. But it's very interesting when you look at the research, those points of reference rarely, if at all, generate any incremental gains in anything. And whatever gains might be established are very short-lived. They're simply not sustainable. Uh, the paradigm shift that's represented by strengths is focusing on those those pathways, uh, those almost genetic predispositions that we all have that are so unique to us that cause us to find patterns of success that are replicated over and over again and show profound increases in just about every single thing we've been able to measure, uh, whether that's well-being in our lives, our thriving sense of, of a life well-lived or the engagement we experience inside the workplace. And so the point there about strengths is, is how do we find out, first off, what are those um, patterns that we have and how do we work with the grain of who we are and not against the grain of who we are? The world keeps trying to tell us, hey, you're bad at something or you're broken or need fixed here, pour all your effort there. But again, it just doesn't, there's nothing sustainable about it. And quite frankly, it doesn't feel great. So we're pursuing something that doesn't actually have a dividend to it and feel really bad about ourselves in the process doesn't mean that we're going to defy the laws of physics or gravity. We do have to confront those areas that we're not particularly adept in, but that starts to speak to teams, partnership, collaboration, and just awareness that holds us accountable. I love the semantics of the naming even. It's strengths finder. Yeah. 
So it puts it in a positive way. So you're not going into it thinking like, you know, any kind of generic naming system, you go, you could go into it and then you get this and it's like, you know, maybe there's a negative connotation around being this one particular number or letter. Whereas with strengths finder, it's okay, here are your five strengths. So my question is when somebody has that, their strength might be something that they didn't realize was a strength and they may perceive to be negative or maybe somebody else does. Mm -hmm. So when when you're looking to optimize that and you're saying, okay, I now know this about myself. I know whoever I'm working with has these qualifications and you work together to adjust that. And then if they would retake the strengths finder, Mm -hmm. would you expect them to have maybe similar things? So are they going to optimize what they already are or are they going to shift to something else or something related? Yeah, it's a great question. So if we look at the research, the research, so there's 34 categories or strengths that we've been able to, these, these potential areas of performance that we've identified. Um, and so Stephanie, we emphasize the top five with contributions of six through 10 um, as being much uh, wildly predictive of ongoing sustainable success. The math would say that for any of us, and this is just the broad brushstroke, that if we were to take it again, seven of our 10 would remain, three new ones would slide in, three old ones would slide out. So fairly intact, right? And and a large part of that, I think, does rest on the awareness and the comfort of who we are and that commitment. That's not to say that there couldn't be some authentic movement, but in the majority of cases, we've got some pretty well-worn preferred grooves. And I think a way to think about strengths is it's, it's really identifying our preferred style of success. So it's not to say that a perv's way is better than mine. It's either of our ways is only as good as our intentionality to use what we're wired to do so well to create a meaningful outcome. Um, And and to your point, it's as much a mindset shift and an attitude as it is an assessment, because the first thing right to your reference of even the language of strengths is positively referencing an ability. that by itself is was Don Clifton's, in, you know, whole positive psychology effort is helping us think about what if we just simply started off with what's right about ourselves and each other, and then we can get to the other things later on, as opposed to all of these negative assumptions first. And quite frankly, a lot of our negative assumptions aren't really borne out with evidence as much as they are preferential style. So Stephanie, I could look at you and say, I don't know that you're talented. I'm not sure you have strengths. And all I'm really gauging it by is just, you don't look like me. You're not acting the way I do. And my way has worked for me. So we get into this space of judgment and disqualifying others when in actuality, it's just simply different. It's not yes or no. It's just how. I can tell you that I literally have my finder report right here. You can't see it. Yeah. <laughs> but my, my 2014 and my 2020 results confirm your data that I had mm-hmm. two or three slide outs and the rest yeah. remain the same. It's fascinating. Yeah. 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 I love that. I'll, I'll jump off of that because there are a couple of thoughts that are coming to me. And this is also from, you know, positive psychology. And, and it is actually one of my most favorite books in positive psychology that that many of our audience may, may know that, you know, it had a very transformative effect on me and that's mindset. So from that mindset perspective, specifically, which refers to growth mindset versus fixed mindset, the idea yeah. is to grow. And so ideally then what does that mean when it comes to strengths? 
Is it that we're growing those strengths? Is it we're developing them or we're just harnessing what we already have? How are we growing if we're just focused on strengths? And over time, do you then what winds up happening to the negatives? Do they wind up declining? Is that how we grow? So I'd love to hear your thoughts, Mike, on how growth mindset comes into this framework. Yeah, such a, it's a, such a great question. So uh, it's it's interesting when we uh, look at the the bandwidth for our strengths. There, there's literally no limitation to how much they can extend and make impact. And what we typically see with the intentionality behind it is we don't have to get so preoccupied with, you know, what my number twenty strength is or et cetera, and how do I activate it and pull it up. What we see is uh, again how much um, space is there for any of our strengths to become relational or influential or abilities that make us smarter or abilities that give us confidence to extend more effort. And so what we do see in that, uh, our leadership evolution or our partnership and collaboration is we just find more creative opportunities for us to, uh, to, oh, I can do it here as well. And I can do this here as well without ever getting outside the space of what that strength actually is. So we get to increase our focus on the strength and inevitably create a bigger, more broader uh, transmission of the impact that it creates. So um, I remember vividly when Don Clifton first was talking about Clifton strengths and one of my strengths is input. So I love the, the, I love the possession of information and do I have information that would be useful to others? And I remember him saying that our strengths have infinite capacity to grow. So I jumped to my flawed skeptical mind and I was like, I'm not sure if that's true. I don't, you know, in I, input has to, it sounds like a glorified librarian. And I've, I've got to think there's an end to that runway that just doesn't really add value. But I will tell you first person testimony, I still find something each and every week where I'm like, oh, that's another facet of my input that's making a contribution. And I took it in 2000 and I've never taken it. I've never taken it twice because quite frankly, in my own personal testimony, I take it twice, uh, take it more times and we could talk about that. But I don't, I think I'd be more biased and my strengths have not stopped explaining for me personally, the outcomes that I can drive. I love that you said input. I think you're at the perfect place. I'm not sure that there's a better place <laughs> to work than Gallup. If you like input, you're right. everybody at Gallup should have that as, a, as a, one of their strengths. Don't get but, me into my biases, Stephanie, then I'm going to agree with you. But yeah. So are there certain things that you see, you know, we talk a lot of about a, compassion and empathy. And obviously mm. we're focused on healthcare on the show. Are there certain things that you see from, you know, significant leaders? I don't know if you're working within organizations, if you track that type of thing, but it would be fascinating to know, are the leaders of places that are more innovative or, or more collaborative or have the highest patient satisfaction or patient care scores exhibiting, you know, five of those 34? Full transparency, um, I want there to be a formula for almost everything. I want there to be a recipe. It just seems like there should be a, an equation that would explain um, everything, right? We, we just have to find it. Uh, but then I have to come back and the truth of it, you all know this, um, we're talking about human beings. We're talking about emotions and um, motivation and decision-making capacity. It is utterly... Uh, and infinitely complex. And even we can talk about 34 strengths, we won't even start to scratch the surface of a human being. And um, I think the lesson that appreciate that I think causes me to appreciate what strengths really reveals is just how infinitely 
not just complex we are as people, but how infinitely amazing we are as people. And when we really appreciate that, not out of ego, but at a much higher order expectation, patience, purpose, now I want to make my best extension, not because of me, it has nothing to do with me. It's far more about adding value and creating impact. And these strengths and our intentionality behind them gives us the chance to add value in ways that um, we might have disqualified ourselves from before. So the, the accountability there that I think brings it back full wrapped in Stephanie is strength. Again, it's strength is only a strength if it takes my awareness to some point of application that benefits or serves someone else. I think it's so fascinating that while humans are impossible to completely pin down and why they do things and all, there's so many variables. But yeah. I think it's remarkable that when you do this, as you said, you know, people could take it multiple times. They're going to typically yeah. have these same types of results. And so the way that your questions or the way that the framing is can so eloquently identify some of these people's top strengths allows them to have so much yeah. power. It's yeah. beyond impressive. Well, I think I'm so glad, Stephanie, you mentioned that because I want to make a connection, another connection, you know, between what you're saying and what Mike is saying. Uh, I, and I guess I never realized we, we, this whole thing would just wind up being more about positive psychology, but I'll make another connection point in terms of, Mike, what you said earlier, the so what? So what we've identified as students. So what does this allow you to do? What does this allow you to be? And so Stephanie said power. It gives you power. It gives you insight. That's amazing. But then here's the here's the tie-in I wanted to make because I just finished reading another book by um, one of the, the, the you know considered to be the fathers of positive psychology, Martin Seligman. Right, and right. He wrote the book Authentic Happiness, and in it, in that book, what he's talking about is that ultimately happiness, which you were getting at, Mike, in terms of purpose and meaning. That's what you, where you get your true happiness, and that ultimately derives from playing to your strengths, from mm -hmm. living to your strengths, from you know, from actually using your strengths on an every single day type of a basis that delivers happiness to you. So maybe that's the ultimate, you know. So what? Uh, I know that maybe in an organizational sense we think of you know things, other things we're trying to create as social goods beyond happiness. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I guess I can't really think of too many things that would be even more motivating, especially to individuals and groups of individuals, families and teams and organizations, than increasing our collective happiness through leveraging our strengths. Uh, do you want to make an, a comment about that, Mike? Either, either well, I, I, I love the way you're you're, you're both you know, mapping this right onto the, so what, and, um, you know, a large portion, if we qualify happiness or engagement or a life well lived, et cetera, those reference points, um, the inevitable centerpiece of meaningful work is inescapable, right? Uh, it's, it's a, it's the primary portion of what explains so much of how we feel in that sense of happiness or value, who we are inside our work, outside our work, all of the roles that we occupy. And, you know, you, you caused me to think um, about the the so what. And so I know with healthcare specifically, think how powerful that purpose is. Think about why any of us in healthcare made the decision to go down that path. Uh, why we decided, why, why we said yes in the first place, why we continue to say yes. It's that powerful patient purpose interaction. And when we think about the direct 
application to your point of perv about our strengths there's a couple ways i think not that they can't translate across any organization but i think they're specifically unique inside healthcare where our strengths can actually become values so when we think about how do we how do we use our strengths most effectively a large portion of that mindset shift should be for all of us how do i give my strengths away how are my strengths a commodity that would serve and be beneficial to anyone else so a perv my number one strength is ideation uh, so I love the creative mind uh, uh, activity of uh, being outside the box or inventing new solutions or, um, you know, creating new paths, discoveries, things like that. Um, so when I, when I lead my team, I can't I can't program them with my ideation, but I can absolutely use my ideation strength to cause them to be a little more ambiguity tolerant to think more, to encourage them to take risks that cause them to create, uh, to, to think more creatively. Again, to invent a solution where they think if only two exist, maybe we just create a third. We just go completely around uh, if we don't think those two offer us a great solution. So the influence and the effect in that attitude of how do I give my strengths away becomes a really useful utility out of strengths. And then we can have choice and selection about where and how we do that. But now that now that great accountability increases great responsibility and then opportunity shows up on the other side. But I think specifically inside healthcare, think about this. How do I give my strengths away then to the benefit of any patient that would ever come into our facility? And that becomes really active, right? Well, I think also in partnership and collaboration, all of the people who we're working with, who we are supposedly unified around that purpose and patient outcome, how do we make those contributions to each other in a way where a perv, you and I are, all of us mathematically are bound to be very different from each other. Um, but can we unify around that patient purpose and make the right intuitive contributions of our strengths? So it's not about our preference. It is about the purpose and the patient that we serve. And then we get this great alignment and now watch our happiness our value, our well-being, all of those things that we broadly want to experience show up on the other side. Yeah. I just, I kind of, Mike, to me, when, when you're saying that, to me, it's not only connecting all these other dots, but to me, what you just said uh, is how do we give our strengths away feels like the best definition of love that we could come up with. That's really compassion. Yeah. You know, yeah. the willingness to not to to know what we are and, and to bring that to other people, share it with them. Uh, what could be stronger, you know, expression of love, which is ultimately a big challenge in healthcare. It's a lot of what we are experiencing on the provider side with burnout and with the, and the patient side with them feeling like they're not getting enough time and and caring from their providers. It kind of boils down to love. So is is love a strength or is love something that complements this approach so that, you know, you can find the right, uh, I wouldn't say mindset with love, but you can, you can, you know, put yourself and your team and your organization in the right framework so that we can be in a position to understand our strengths and then give them away. Yeah, it's a great, I love the point of reference, no pun intended. Um, but I do think the um, the the emotional comfort we can create inside the workplace is profound when we operate out of strengths. So let's think about this. We would, we would contend that strengths and one of its many advantages is it's a relational shortcut. Uh, so a perv, maybe you and I have just met for the first time, but even in a quick exchange of our top five strengths, we're much closer together and not just out of simple understanding, but a positively framed appreciation for what each one of us 
what, what each one of us is going to bring to that partnership that's still aimed at the patient and the purpose. Um, otherwise, without that, you would bother me. I, I don't like your way. It's different than mine and I can't trust it. Um, so we then grow further apart. Uh, but it creates that that relational shortcut. And in the exchange of that, our emotional comfort with each other is heightened. And I think attitudinally, then obviously knowing I'm going to be way better if I'm really bought into that patient purpose outcome, I'll be far better off for working with you than I would be for working against you. And there'd be a reciprocity around that. One of the points of accountability, if we get into some fun math, the odds of per or the odds of any of us having the same top five strengths in the exact same order. Now, remember there's 34. So I'm only asking about the same top five in the exact same order. The odds, and this is just simple math, of us having the same top five in the same order are one in 34 million approximately. Now, again, that's recreational math, but what does it really mean to partnership and collaboration? It means a perv that the instant you and I, or we meet anyone else, we're going to be much closer and more accurate in our assumption to assume that person to be the exact opposite of ourselves, as opposed to assuming they'll be the same as us, which means we have to be more curious, we have to be more involved, and we do need to rely on that collaborative nature. Otherwise, we're going to create sparks, we'll get into preference versus purpose and all kinds of things will take us sideways and the patient gets completely forgotten in the process of that. And I'll just, one more data point of emphasis, we asked uh, across the, the workforce, and it's been a while now, I, I don't know what the recent data around this is, but it was really convicting. We asked um, inside the workplace, how many partnerships do you have? And the tragic number one answer was zero. It was followed by numbers north of zero, but that was still the number one most frequent uh, response, which I think I, I would argue, Aperv, I think it's um, us operating out of flawed assumptions that I think you see and interact in the world in the same way I do. And then when you don't, I judge you by lack of effort or lack of intelligence and you do the same for me. And then we work against each other. So no, no love. There is no love in the midst of that. The one thing I will say, Aperv, is um, to the reference of love, and this is just a simple description that I use, but when we're mindful of our best abilities on a daily basis, not strengths, not strengths finder as an assessment, but just the philosophy of strengths, reminding ourselves we add value and are we mathematically trying to increase the opportunities to add value, um, if that's the experience that we have on, as a daily emphasis, we are six times more likely to be engaged in our workplace. So it's a massive multiplier in how we experience work. Um, and I typically, when somebody when somebody asks me, describe engagement. I say, when we're engaged, we love our work every day and we love the people we work with every day. So an opportunistic wrap to your reference of love, but I think we need to be unapologetic about it. Uh, work is incredibly personal and no more so or anywhere else in healthcare. And, and we should want that. Is there a situation that somebody might be in a, an amazing role in the case of healthcare that they're really in a great place that where they could thrive, but because of the situational things that people may be missing that communication, that they're overlooking how their their oppositions really could play together as a strength. But since happiness and love are things that are drive you, if you feel like you're not getting that there, are you potentially going to leave somewhere prematurely or unjustly? if you just don't even get work to get past that barrier. Yeah, absolutely. I, I am amazed. So I'll, I'll, I'll tie this, I'll, I'll map, you know, strengths and engagement are such strong uh, 
predictors of each other. Strength specifically is a promotes that engaged workplace experience. One of the most we I, I say tongue in cheek scandalous or provocative engagement drivers that I think puts a wrap around what you're describing, Stephanie. Is um, we ask a question. It's um, simply phrased. I have a best friend at work. That's not a light reference point. Um, per of when you talk about love, we're, we're getting there pretty fast with that reference. Now, a lot of organizations don't like it. It's uncomfortable. We don't know how to operationalize best friend. And that's what we're looking for is how do I just simply, you know, push buttons and create things that drive outcomes. But it is so profound to the story that you're telling. And the discretionary choices we make or extend based on who we are to each other and joined forces to the meaningfulness of the work we do causes us to say no to so many other things and yes to this experience because we simply cannot imagine what other, what, what any other opportunity could ever present us with. We are so fulfilled, we are so happy that we literally love each other. And now it's it's fascinating because that high quality care that we provide. Uh, yes, we we do aspire to live out a purpose and, and certainly we have patients central, but in large part, Stephanie, with the effort I extend is because I really like working with you. Like it is the best part of my day. And we actually maybe share our lives together. I say, maybe that's where we don't stop at five o'clock. We don't stop at Friday and we're so integrated, but I hear over and over again, and I'll just, I'll talk about nurses specifically, nurses who will tell us they drive 30 minutes one way to go to that one facility because of the relationships they have there. When they know they've got four or five choices, they could have a five-minute commute. They could walk to work if they wanted to, but it's not worth it because of the people who they get to work with and, and actually share that life together in the work and the calling that they have and not just simply look at the efficiency of gas mileage and um, time. So it's amazing how emotionally embedded we can get. But again, that's a strengths orientation, that best friend at work. I'll throw another quick data point. If I have a best friend at work, I'm seven times more likely to be engaged in my workplace. But we just, we're just taking it back down to what strengths could cause to have happen, stronger, more trustworthy, loving relationships, and then everything else can emanate from there. I've moved and I will say I have, I had a best friend at every place that I've worked, that I worked for long-term. And those are still the people who are in my circle now. My four That's or five awesome. that I had, they're my best friends. Ashley's my best friend from work. I have Nina, Jacqueline, and Jody. They're my best friends from Benefit Focus. Those are the people I've talked to this week alone. You mm -hmm. know, those are the people who matter because you spend your time with them and it, it matters. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Amazing. Amazing. Well, I mean, I can't imagine a conversation in less than 30 minutes that covers happiness and love mm -hmm. and power and uh, and uh, you know and compassion. I mean, we've covered such a range of topics, and I guess you know the one topic maybe Mike that we haven't come to, which which probably we should just broach at the same time is what about trust? Trust seems yeah. to be a big challenge in workplaces. Trust is a big challenge with healthcare also. Healthcare organizations and physicians have generally been highly trusted organizations, but over time, their trust is declining, unfortunately. So what do you, you know, I mean, and I'm sure the answers are all in between all of the other points that we've already covered, but maybe you can tease that out a little bit more and, and speak to us more specifically about how does the strengths approach lead to trust? Yeah, it's, it's a, again, as strengths would typically play a role, it's, it's an accelerant of trust. I'll, I'll bring, I'll kind of reverse engineer trust through engagement through strengths, if we, if we kind of connect the dots there. So in, our, our research would say 
if I'm engaged in my workplace, uh, that one in two of the population who are engaged in their work say they trust the leadership of their organization. For anybody else who's simply not engaged or even actively disengaged, it drops to one in 12. So on the basis of engagement alone, it goes from 50% to one in 12. Pretty, pretty dramatic drop-off. Now let's think about strengths then as a multiplier and the effect it has on engagement. And it gets us into incredibly involved appreciations of each other because now we're having conversations around that one in 33 million. Well, do I really trust your talent, a perb, knowing that it looks so different than mine? Well, if outcomes are there, if we're delivering our purpose, if our patients are healing and leading better lives as a result of that, the comfort level with trust gets extended. But think how much of an informed approach we have to each other just around the language and what's established in that positive assumption, trust. And if we can commit to each other, we get this virtuous cycle where we're contributing to each other. Our partnership shows fruit and evidence that what we're doing works, that these differences really are advantages. And it just continues to propel itself forward. But I challenge myself and each of us, like, do we like, like, I, I, I love the, I love the statement. Differences are advantages. And I, I wish I didn't know as much about human behavior as I did, because I don't think we really believe that initially. I think we have to come to that with intentionality and genuine appreciation. I think strengths helps bridge that. But I think in our most selfish, shallow moments, I think we would all say, no, I actually, I don't think differences are advantages. I like the way I do things and it just makes sense to me. And I think it's easy for me to assign the benchmark of normalcy for the world to operate to me. And I think you should all do it my way because it just seems to make so much sense. We have to relinquish that. And there's a lot of just qualitative reference points that some of the strongest partnerships are generated from the increased comfort we can have with how different we actually are. But again, a perb now we're back to that's an attitude I have to have first so that anything else with intentionality would serve a purpose whatsoever. Thank you so much for being here and having this conversation. This was fantastic. I feel very fulfilled. This must be hitting things on my strengths finder list. A perb, I hope Stephanie is happy. That's what I really hope is that at the end of it, she's just happy. That, that's I am happy. Thing. I am individual individualization, analytical, relator, communication, and activator. So I think we've hit a lot. We've hit oh, a lot. Oh, right on. I love that analytical, analytical activator. Amazing. Love analytical Amazing. activator. Yeah, great combo. Just a profound conversation, Mike. We really thank you. I think this is going to be an amazing treat for our guests. And I just, you know, really appreciate how you connected all the dots across all these incredibly profound topics. Thank you. Well, thanks for having me as part of the conversation. Thanks Absolutely. for watching. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.